0: okay we're going live here in a second streaming is getting set up and i think we're good all okay. right hello everyone i am uh, jake litke your host this is cannabis marketing live and today we have matt taverna from statera we are going to be talking about customer data enrichment uh what you can do with your customer data um, how you can get more out of it, and how you can use that to drive uh, new sales and revenue. So Matt, thanks for joining us again. Thanks uh, for having me again. Yeah, we new- to We need to get you like uh, you know SNL, where they give you the coat. I know, I know. Like I have
1: guys. you know, I did, I just put away my um my my Christmas red jacket. I should have kept it out.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it um, right off the bat. Uh, let's lay some groundwork, groundwork here. We're going to talk about customer data, which comes in a lot of different forms. Um, and within the cannabis industry, the most common form of customer data that people have is their POS data or their e-commerce data. Those systems are tied together. Frequently, uh, most frequently, people are using that customer data to be able to send retention emails or loyalty offers. Um, but in in my experience working, we work with lots of cannabis retailers. Uh, and brands frequently, that's a, that's a underutilized asset that yeah. dispensaries have. Um, and I think that, you know, we've talked about this before. There's certainly a lot of issues around data siloing that occurs where people are using systems and they're not necessarily all connected. And then I think there's a general, just, um, lack of awareness of some of the tools and systems that exist outside of the canvas industry that CPG companies use that are actually available and uh, I want to talk today about kind of what those are and and how people can get more value out of their data. Which, at the end of the day, your your data is the only real true piece of IP that you own that you can continue to reuse and get value from, and that no one else has access to. Well, shouldn't have access to. Right. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, and your data like just really represents your your the business you built because it's so that's your customer and that's your bread and butter. So. Yeah, and so um my company um is the Terra. We build a um 260 million person database of of every American. And so we have um consumer data on um most every American, which means um you know, when you have a something like a your 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 CVS card or you fill out a warranty card or um, some of your behaviors that are that you share um with with retailers that that data is is sold and commoditized and um consumer data companies um acquire it and kind of track uh your 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 behaviors and, and use it to 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 target other um other other marketing um and what we can do is uh effectively match um the data that's on a list like mine to customer data sets um, in, in kind of, in more uh, established retail industries and CPG, uh, we have data flows where once a customer is acquired, um, uh, if, it, if it's an online order, we have um, the ability to kind of shoot an, an, an API call to the, the POS system of that of, the, of that business and kind of complete that customer record. So if it's Matt Saverna buying a widget at widget.com, the widget.com people will have a more uh, complete view of who Matt Saverna is. Things like, um, you know, my gender, even my full name. If I just put a cell phone number or email address, we can complete names Um, and just really a complete view of of me as, as a customer.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about some of those other data points. Um, so you've got a customer or a set of customers, you have their email address, um, and you have, you have your own information as a retailer, like you know what they're purchasing. Now, uh, what are some of the things that are available to be enriched about an individual that would be relevant to a marketer um, in this case? Yeah, so um, I think just to start off
1: is um, knowing the person's first and last name. So if it's, you know, if, if, your, if your POS system or your, your loyalty program only um, captures um, just a part of a record, if it's a cell phone number or email address, um, you can uh, actually quite easily uh, append uh, a first and last name and residential address to that record. And that kind of gives you a puts that like an actual person onto what is really normally just just a piece of information for you to go make an offer, um, and so right out of the gate you can tell, um, I think a really important thing to uh, is is if, if where a person lives. So if they live close to your dispensary, if they're a tourist, um, you know it, that's a that's an important piece of information there, and from there. <laughs> Excuse me, there are other demographics that you can append, um, gender and age, um, and other, uh, kind of just like simple demographics, um, such as you know, estimated household income, and then you get into other kind of more kind of advanced c- consumer behaviors on what
0: people kind of like to um spend their money on and spend their time doing, yeah. So when we are looking at um someone's first party data set like here's here's our list of customers uh you can take the whole customer list or you can break it into pieces let's say you wanted to delineate between people that purchase gummies versus people that purchase flour um we can take those two audiences we can we can run them run them through the enrichment process and you can get a uh an automated lookalike audience right so like here's right. your existing customers and then here are other people that are in your market area that have the same general profile um that's a pretty simple way to do it
1: yeah and and, and so what Jake, I mean so you know what, what what Jake means is you have um 42 year old male matt taverna who's going and buying pre-rolls every day or every week um it's just simply finding uh What other 42-year-old males are out there that have similar attributes? So you can kind of, if you think about your Excel spreadsheet and how this is set up, uh, we talked about, you know, the the kind of row of data and completing that row. Um, It's kind of interesting to think about that in in, in an individual way, but it's not very useful. Where it's it's useful is an aggregate, right? So comparing and contrasting the Matt Taverna completed record with the other uh, folks in, in a zip code or in a certain area around a dispensary or, or in a t- target universe that's not necessarily mm-hmm. geographic, um, like and like Jake said, finding um, people that 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 look like um, your your target customer, and yeah. then and therein um, creating like a a customer acquisition audience
0: um, for your business. Yep. So you can come up with, like I said, a sort of a computer modeled score of, you know, these, these are your existing customers, here's their propensity, and it's, it's a lot of different categories, right? So it could be things that people purchase, um, interest and in recreational activities. Um, and so we can use an automated system to say, these are people that are similar, but you can also dive into the data at that point, once you have it, about your customers and say, Okay, well, it turns out that people that um, purchase premium flour also tend to go to concerts or whatever that data point is. You can then use that um, information uh, for developing strategy, right? So, okay, now we know some more things about our customers. How does that inform the marketing messaging? Um, And and what is it that we wanna tell consumers? And then you can segment those, those campaigns separately right so you could have a um a, a specific campaign tactic that is around people that go to concerts because you know that there's correlation with a customer cohort that is valuable to you and you can give them distinct messaging um from you know people that are purchasing gummies or or whatever that is right
1: yeah now, and and it's also i mean it is uh kind of thinking to kind of the, the most um kind of guerrilla way of, of of marketing cannabis is uh, you know billboard advertising um putting the billboard next to the concert venue or 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 near near a concert venue um rather than just kind of the cheapest one you can find on the closest highway yeah so just making making informed decisions uh based on your actual customer base um and you know turning strategy into then tactics of like the big picture strategy and, and then
0: the tactic is like the placement of the, of, of the ads. Yeah, I mean, uh, invariably, when you start to pick apart the consumer data for uh, an audience, you end up with surprises. You know, it's human nature to make some assumptions about your customers. Um, you know, we've we've done this analysis with, you know, large retailers where they come in with pretty strong opinions about who they think their customer is and exactly how they behave. And when we actually take their audience data, their customer list, and run that through a demographic profile, there's always interesting things that come out. Um, And that's just on the audience side, right? Like, oh, it turns out that you have a really large amount of dog owners in your audience group, right? So that does inform things like, oh, well, maybe we should advertise near the dog park, for example. It doesn't always have to be directly correlated to, I'm going to use this for retargeting for digital. I mean, that's what we do. But you, as you mentioned earlier, it helps inform your entire marketing strategy, and else you be more efficient, you know, with with your budget in any channel that you're advertising in.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I think um, it leads to better customer retention in in kind of uh, being able to craft messages that um, are tailored to that that person's um, actual interest rather than just hey, it's Thursday afternoon, you're gonna get 15% off. That's a nice offer, but um, you know, actually thinking about brand affinity um, and even the channel that somebody likes to be, you know, like a like a really interesting consumer attribute that you can find um, and and you can utilize is how do how do how does the customer communicate with um, retail? So do they actually respond to text messages? Do they respond to, um, you know, d- display ads? Um, those are things that um, are actually measured and available to 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 purchase purchase and enrich your data
0: with. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how the data is handled. Obviously, we're talking about something that is a is a high value asset for an organization. Um, they're going to take their customer list and they're going to work with some third party. Um, and they need to make sure that that data is secure because it is in many cases personally identifiable information. So right. you can't just like be emailing it out. Yeah, and
1: and, and like you said, it, it's the it's the most important asset that a business can own is their 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 customers. So
0: yeah. So let's say uh, let's say I'm a dispensary. I've got you know a few thousand records, ten thousand records or whatever of customers that um, have purchased from me. How do I go from having a bunch of names and email addresses to having an enriched data set where I can do analysis on my audience and then use that for targeting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the first step is, is contracting with a with a trusted um, trusted vendor that, that you vetted and that you um, can kind of trust with your data, which means that there should be some kind of uh, contractual relationship upfront um, with the non-disclosure agreement and and the way that that vendor is going to be handling your data, um, you know, ensuring that the data is not going to be, um, I mean, very uh, very low level and like in a low level way, they, they should be the data should be secure um, and not be able to be hacked or or uh, or leaked. Um, but even the, if if the vendor is um, going to be making sure that they only are using your data for your project. So if, they, if you're sending 10,000 customers um that 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 will remain your data set the entire time that your vendor is actually using it. Um rather than the vendor then going and putting it into some kind of cooperative or reselling your data to to your competitors. Um, so that's kind of the if you think of like the the hierarchy of needs of of the contracts here. Um, and then there should be some kind of agreement on what happens um, in data transfer. So um, there should be, there's industry standards on how uh, data is 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 transferred. So your 10,000 person list, if it kind of, you download it from your point of sale uh, and it you upload it to um, software that you should be able to recognize, whether it's something like a Dropbox or, or Box.com, or something a little bit more sophisticated like uh, amazon web service um which is which is a uh, you know um for kind of more more sophisticated data files and uh bigger sized data uh, files and then um a really detailed description of kind of what happens
0: um to that data while it's in the vendor's hands um yeah So you've got a couple yeah yeah, in the life cycle here first off when you're choosing a vendor you want to read the data usage words carefully um, because many data vendors will have clauses in those contracts that say that they are allowed to reuse your data for vague purposes um so you want to make sure that you understand exactly what that language is then there's you know how do you transfer how do you get the data from one place to another that should go through a secure channel you should not be just like emailing a zip file of your records to someone. Right. Uh, and then there's the question of when it's at, when are the data is at rest, how is it secured? Uh, and then further, there's another clause that you want to have in there, which is if you end your relationship with them, that needs to be incumbent on the data vendor to destroy that data because it's they they don't they should never own the data. It's your data you own. They're helping you use it, um, and if you terminate a relationship. That needs to go away, right? So they yeah, they and, and, and it'll be
1: it'll be called like that data retention and, and data destruction clauses. So it's yeah. um, you know it's, it's it's actually fairly normal um, in in the kind of just very simple data appends for your data vendor to destroy the your 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 their version of your source data immediately after they deliver your finished product. Yeah. Um, and then and they're even you know we at, at Statera have just completely separate um, storage for your know, customer projects. we call it like the the, the actual production um, production uh, warehouse versus our actual build warehouse where we actually build the data uh, that we use. And so um, keeping things separate is is super important. And there are, there are, if you're dealing with like really big data sets, um, if you're like a multi-state operator, um, or if you have, you know, uh, assets of hundreds of thousands of, of, of customers, um, and you're going to do a long-term project um, at the end of that relationship, you can get a certificate of destruction, which is is an the industry standard uh, in the data industry where you can ask the vendor to send you um, what is essentially like an affidavit that says,
0: yes, we deleted the data on this date and this is how we did it. And our server is now free of your data. I always enjoy sometimes when we run across like older data agreements that haven't been updated and it actually includes like CD ROMs. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like things like, oh, we will shred the CD ROMs. The data came on. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, if,
1: if you're dealing with state and municipal governments, they um, they still, they still send those. So. Oh, they do. And yeah, well, sometimes sometimes they send them, and sometimes you have to be in person to get it. So it's like, they, oh, I mean, I mean, and I'm, I'm not sure if that if that actually survived the
0: pandemic, like those, those kind of rules. But um, so that's who's still buying the blank CDs at Office Depot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great. Um, okay, so that's good. Just sort of general governance, um, some advice on how to handle your data and what to look for when you're choosing a partner. Um, let's talk about from a policy perspective, we talked about transit custody and, and, um, data transit and custody, but what are some limitations that people need to be aware of, of what you can and can't do you let's say you've enriched your data and maybe you've gone from names to email addresses or phone numbers to email addresses. You now have this collection of email addresses or phone numbers, but you you still have to follow the rules about what you can do about unsolicited emails. Um, you know, you've got CAN-SPAM, and then at the same yeah, time-
1: yeah, I mean, and I think there are kind of there are really two kind of rules. There, there's there's the actual like laws and regulations of of CAN-SPAM and uh, do not call, do not solicit, um, which really should be governed by the way that you draft your opt-in um, in in the, in the beginning of your relationship. That would would usually be that. Hey, if we get you, if if you submit your email address, that also means we can send you direct mail and text you. And yeah. There'll be ways that your attorney can help you draft it that way. Um, so just making sure you're covered there, and if you're not, then to make sure that you aren't uh using different medium to uh contact the wrong people. Um, but then secondly, I think there are like kind of biz- like actual business rules, so you don't turn people off. Um, you know, I think uh, like, uh, like a more savvy customer and people who are actually going to respond to your uh, messages um, may just have it may leave a bad taste in their mouth if they have given you a cell phone number um, and then all of a sudden they receive an email from you. You know, it might it might be something that just turns them off. And so you need to just be careful about um, you know, just like just like the way you are practicing your marketing because uh, it's it's I think it's, particularly in the more mature markets um, I, you know California obviously comes top of mind that there's a, just a lot of competition out there and it's very easy for someone to switch um, loyalties um, particularly when you're dealing with um, just like a like a constant barrage of offers. Yeah, And so and then, uh, you know, I, something I learned in, in, in politics is a lot of political email and political texts are based in fundraising. Uh, very similar to how like a lot of cannabis texts and emails are based in offers. So come on in and buy more cannabis. That's what you want to do. Um, think about actually having a relationship with your customer. Uh, don't ask them to buy something every time you text them. Um, and that's hard because marketing dollars are scarce, and um, you want the customer to remain uh you know a purchaser as well. but it's kind of a maintaining a relationship is is important, and there are things you can do to promote products in, in your business without having to um, always just be uh looking for the next sale.
0: Yeah, so I we know we've talked to a lot of our marketers and this gets I think this concept gets forgotten sometime, But, you know, marketing is about a value exchange between you and your customer. Right. So at the base level, you have a product that you're selling them, they're going to buy from you. There's a value exchange there. But when you're talking about marketing communications, you're asking someone to take their time to read your information. Right. Um, so the most common and straightforward thing that people do is, hey, here's 20% off. There's some value that you're offering. However, if you're just doing that every week, or I've been on some lists where I get like three texts a, a week, um when you're sending email specifically, you have an opportunity for like a longer form piece of delivery. And so to the extent that you can provide value in the information that you're asking the consumer to read, that will help um, your relationship with that consumer. And when I say value, that could be interesting information. It could be something funny, really anything where someone's going to take the, you know, 5, 10, 20 seconds out of their day and they're going to come away feeling like they got something other than you just asking them to spend more money.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think that like, for those of you who think we're now delving into creative, we're not. Um, it actually then circles back to knowing what your customer likes to hear and what they want to talk about, or at least be, being able to like have an educated way of making those kinds of decisions. So um talking about, uh, you know, cannabis in terms of music, talking about cannabis, in terms of health, talking about cannabis in terms of lifestyle, um, just being able to discern and and segment your list, um, and it just and it just makes the off it like makes offers, um, kind of more natural too. So if you know if it's a, if it's a kind of a health message, you have products that deal specifically with the the, the kind of wellness aspects of cannabis. That that's a that's much 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 easier ask than just like hey it's. Starting at four PM on Friday. Here here you go. Um, Although those are great sometimes, but
0: yeah. The other thing that you can start to gather as you start to you know leverage dynamic content in your marketing outbound marketing messages, whether it's text or email, is you'll start to see engagement rates differ based on what the content is in the messaging that you're sending out, Uh, and then you can use that feedback loop to send out better and better messaging that's more compelling. Um, And that's where it's getting back. I'll go back into what I was talking about before in terms of you've got 10,000 customers, they're not all the same. Um, You know, this is another concept that people sometimes forget, which is like cannabis consumers are all regular people that have other things that they're interested in. Um, And so taking an approach of, you know, just going right after, you know, you like flower or whatever it is, that's fine. But if you enrich your data set, you can start to understand that you've got an audience over here that is parents because that's one of the things we can, we can look for, you know, um, children within household. You can look for things like these people have dogs or cats. Um, they go to concerts, as we mentioned. All of those things allow your marketing team to start to deliver dynamic messaging across your customers in an effort to foster a better relationship with their consumers so they feel like you're giving the messaging that they appreciate. Um, and you can't really do that effectively without enriching the data set you have. You're not really gonna like give a hundred question poll to all your customers to ask them about who they are and what they like in life. But you could, the data you have today, you do have the ability to go out, append that with a third party data partner and um, and get that level of insight. Yeah,
1: and then and, then, and, and it takes it beyond just the like a product driven um marketing strategy where you can even you know let your bud tenders know that hey we we know and we, you know we can track very easily what products move on what days and what time of month and things like that but you can even dig deeper and you 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 kind of begin to understand maybe why certain products are moving at certain times of the month or certain days and so they can be prepared to know what kind of crowds coming in not just what kind of products going to move but why that product is moving um yes. and you know there's very simple reporting you can do um that can translate to like a human interaction at the dispensary uh that you can get into um just as easily as you could do it uh with the segmented
0: message on email yeah Okay, I've got a question here. Oh, and if anyone wants to ask, ask questions, at least on uh, the Zoom link, I can I can see them. Uh, there's a question about frequency. So, if you've got an email list, um, what are best practices around <laughs> practices um, around uh, how frequently you update that? Should be do you, does that happen every month? Is it live? Like, how does that normally work? Uh,
1: emailing uh, how 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 much you should how often you should be updating the contact information and things like that yeah yeah I mean I think um on like a on a on a quarterly basis is 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 pretty standard um at the very least on an annual basis uh it's because it does a couple of things it lets you know uh some updates on some people you know your customers' affinities but it also can tell you if the customer's moved. So you can stop wasting your time trying to get people in the door. Um, So like a, like
0: a quarterly or, or, or annual basis um, is good there. Now, if you've got a high volume of new records coming in, is there a case where you, I mean, you technically could do it monthly, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and
1: it's not, I mean, I think that the thing about most, most data companies, or at least most data companies that I've, that I've uh, come across is if you, um, once you do something once, it's it's very easy to kind of keep that record updated. Um, there's actually, uh, we've just in, instituted uh, over the past couple of years um, using Snowflake, where it's not even, you're not even really sending back a file. There's just a constant, you know, view of the file, of you know, 10,000 records. And that view just gets updated, uh, you know, constantly as, as, the Tara gets new information about a record that that record just kind of up, up, updates automatically. So you can kind of look at it um, and see the minuscule changes um, as they as they happen. Um, and so once you kind of you know, once you kind of do you you kind of jump into the cold water the first time um, it's easier to stay in the water and and, and kind of enjoy it. Uh, that's a good i'm getting good at this jake I'm yeah
0: getting... you like that it's a good analogy you know it gets uh yeah so river. you know um data river you, gets once, warmer once
1: you, well yeah once you jump in uh it's easier for you to to kind of maintain uh, uh the the current the currency of the of the data um the current
0: and the river current. so we can go we can just keep oh yeah, yeah yeah yes uh so uh aside from bad dad jokes um you mentioned movers and this is actually i don't know the answer to this question yeah. uh, maybe you do this would be fun trivia what is the frequency of moving like did you see like how many i don't know if you know this information but like I do. what percentage of the u.s population and maybe it's different by the state moves in a given well i think it's
1: a, i think the two questions I, I don't i don't know that one but i do know the frequency of uh People who are engaged in uh, the, the type of commerce we're talking about—not just cannabis, but la uh, kind of like commerce where it's kind of like high-touch high uh, e-commerce—your um, list can change as much as twenty percent per year. Really? Yeah.
0: Like meaning the and then
1: well that's so that's <clears throat> that's the so that that's the actual list of yeah like the, their addresses, but it's also your your target audience. Uh, outside of your customers, your potential customers has kind of changed over up uh, upwards of upwards of twenty
0: percent. That's um, so the underlying data yeah. for your existing customers changes, like the address, like this person does I mean, Yes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, and and I can get some. Uh, we can maybe we can publish a couple of uh, little infographics on 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 the actual numbers, but yeah, I mean it's upwards of twenty percent. You know, in particularly in areas where. Um, really high volume dispensaries are located cities and um you know, more, more uh kind of high income states and, and areas like that. Yeah. All right. Let's go. I, I mean, because, because I mean, look, and it, it might not even be that someone's moved cities, but in say if you're in San Francisco or you're in LA or you're in New York, um, did people move every, every year? Right, and, and yeah. they might move a block down the street, but now your direct mail is literally being wasted. Uh, now your your internet, uh, internet, your uh, digital <laughs> advertising um, is going to the wrong uh, maybe IP address or something like that.
0: Yeah. So let's actually talk about direct. <laughs> we didn't really talk about that much, and I think that's kind of the final topic here. And and this is the bridge of um that you you can absolutely have. Let's say you have a newsletter sign up on your site. Um, these aren't even necessarily customers. If you, um, if you don't have a newsletter sign up on your site, you should think about doing it because uh, some number of people will sign up for it and, and many of those may not be your active customers. Uh, but let's say you've got email addresses, you know, you've got matt at gmail.com, but you don't have anything else about them. Now you can take that email address, you can run it through a data enrichment process and you can get back a physical address, right? and now with a physical address you can go you know old school here and you can and send mailers which can be very effective um is there are people allowed to do that i feel like direct mail like mailing addresses are relatively public record what are the guidelines around that
1: yeah i mean i mean i think the great thing about the about the us mail is that it's a very uh, trade like it's it's, it's a trace- traceable, trusted, um, and because of the history and the regulations around the way that mail is, you know, that postage is actually done and how the way mail is conducted, um, that 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 kind of practice is it is allowed.
0: Okay. Um, so that means unsolicited,
1: unsolicited direct mail is something that happens every day, and you probably see that every day. But the yeah. thing is that it's it's, um, there's reasons why, and there's reasons why. There's arguments to be made that some of this should be implemented in in for for display ads and, and digital advertising. Is that there's a postmark on that piece of mail? There's a return address. There's a, uh, you know, you know the product. It, it, you're not really incepting anybody's mind. It, it's a it's a very clear transaction. So um, that's and you can you know most of the time. Um, you can probably deduce, uh, you know, like deduce why you got that piece of mail.
0: Yeah, or maybe it'll create arguments at home as to why you're getting mail from the dispensary right. when there's no one that's supposed to be shopping in the dispensary. Um, but in this case, like I said, the, the that is a it's a great way to take um, an audience that you may have that either are lab shoppers or they're just people that have given you their contact information, even if you've done some sort of physical activation, like a demo day or something, and people have given you their email address, um, you can can turn those email addresses into physical addresses. You can send direct mail. You can take those email addresses. You can turn them into audience targeting for display advertising. Um, And that gives you another way to use an asset that you already have to drive more customers uh through your front doors or through your online
1: any and even having having the physical address even if you're not going to send the mailer um makes your makes that record more valuable as a digital asset as well because having an email address is great for targeting digital but having an email address plus the residential address is even better having an email address plus the residential address plus the cell phone numbers even better See, so, you know, um, the more the more touch points you you have on an individual, the the more uh chance you have of that individual
0: individual actually ever seeing your ad. Right, and then going back to how we started the conversation, if you do have that email address, you can you know get a physical address, but you can also get all the demographic information that is relative to that household, right. um, which, which can then help you understand you know, who's engaging with you, um, who is becoming after active customers, who's not, what do you know about them? How do you start messaging them in a way that is going to be, um, res- that they're going to be receptive to. Yep. Cool. Um, well, I think that wraps up everything that, that I wanted to cover today. Um, do you have any other parting parting words or, um, uh, aquatic. No, I mean I think uh, I mean I think
1: just like knowing your customer. Um you know because what you find is actually uh this kind of gets into deduping. So having two email addresses that belong to the same person. You can actually combine those records. Uh knowing your data, uh taking care of your data um is 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 super important. And you know, as we've learned over the past several months uh on this Podcast. Um the sky's the limit once you, yeah. once you get your ducks in a row.
0: When do you think they're gonna like not use the word podcast anymore? I don't they do they even sell iPods anymore? I feel like that that name oh, stuck in the buffer. It's you know, I guess we'll we'll find out. Um all right, well, thank you for your time, Matt. All right uh, I'm Jake, I'm the CEO of Media Gel. If you want to send me direct questions, you can find me Jake at Media Gel or on LinkedIn. Uh, Matt, what's your Matt first at S T A T A R A dot Yeah. Great. Uh thanks for joining everyone. Have a great week. We will see you back in a couple weeks. All right. Cheers.